Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, we, uh, if, if you were here last week, you'd know that uh, my, fa- my wife and I, just the two of us, we were in Hawaii, which is fantastic. We actually got to tune in. The service here is at 6 a.m. there in Hawaii. So we got to watch, I didn't get up at 6, but I was up like at 6.15. So we watched about half of the service with you guys last week, which was really fun. Um, and uh, it was good. It was a good time away. We actually didn't go just for holiday, although we, of course, sat on the beach. That was fantastic. We went to see my son, Gavin, uh, who we haven't seen for nine months. We put him on a plane in January, thinking he'd be back in June, and he's not going to be back until Christmas, so we decided to go and see him, and he sends his greetings, uh, which is awesome, and uh, for those of you that have been praying for him, he's been doing YWAM. He's been doing some missions work and things like that, um, and uh, for those of you that have been praying for him and supporting him, he is fully supported financially and has all his support in for the rest of the year, which is just a great praise item. So thank you for partnering in with him if you've done that. Um, well, <clears throat> today's a good day. It's exciting to be back with you guys. Um, a few years ago, uh, there was uh, Snickers candy bars. Do we call them candy bars in Canada or chocolate bars? I can't remember, because in the U.S. we call them something different. Chocolate bars here, candy bars in the U.S. Okay, Snickers chocolate bars uh, did a series of commercials where the tagline was, you're not yourself when you're hungry. Does anybody remember these? Oh, they were fantastic commercials. Um, One of the commercials went like this. Okay, so the scene opens up with, we're not able to show it, because if we show any videos, YouTube shuts us down, right? So I have to describe it for you. So you have to use your imagination. The scene opens up like this. There's a pickup game of football happening. There's a bunch of young, burly men playing football, and it's kind of a muddy day, and it just looks like lots of fun, right? And they're all lined up, uh, ready to go, and the the football is, is hiked, and the quarterback goes back, and here one of the receivers is 88-year-old Betty White. Isn't that awesome? And she's just giving her down the field to catch this pass, and you just see her, she makes a quick cut, and she, she's ready for the pass, and she completely misses the pass. The quarterback tosses it. She completely misses it, and she gets hammered by somebody else, just tackles her and just lays her out right in the mud. She gets covered in mud, and she's just laid right out. Now, this is 88-year-old Betty White. So there's part of me, I think maybe the Canadian side of me, that's shocked. <gasps> oh, no, Betty White. But the American side of me loves it. So I'm just, but I, whenever I watch this commercial, I just laugh so much because it's just, I think it's hilarious. Anyhow, Betty White comes trembling back into the, the huddle, and when she gets there, uh, one of the players looks at Betty White and says, Mike, what are you doing out there? You're playing like Betty White. And Betty White starts to complain, and all of a sudden from the sideline, this person comes running on with the Snickers bar, gives it to Betty White and says, here, eat this. Betty White eats it and transforms into Mike, who she was all along, Mike. And so the person who gives her the Snickers bar says, better? And Mike says, better. Cue the tagline, you're not yourself when you're hungry. 
What a great commercial. You can watch it later. It's kind of a little bit sketchy, but it's lots of fun. <clears throat> Today we're in our Why series, and we're talking about something similar to Betty White's problem or Mike's problem of hunger, but we're talking about rest. We're talking about Sabbath rest. Why Sabbath rest? Now, I'm not talking about just being hungry, and I'm not talking about taking a nap. What I'm talking about here is, is more specifically the biblical understanding of Sabbath rest. Did you know that God has created you to have rhythms? God has created you to have rhythms. And some of them are obvious rhythms, right? Every day you need to sleep a certain amount of time. You need to eat on a regular basis. You need to drink water on a regular basis. Those are all rhythms. God has, has created you to have rhythms, and he's created you to honor those rhythms. And there's many different rhythms, and everybody has kind of a different way of those rhythms being um, shown. Like, some people need to sleep more than others. Uh, some people are introverts, and some people are extroverts. But we all have the same basic rhythm set, which needs to be honored. If we dishonor our rhythms, we will usually pay the price. I mean, you're not yourself when you're out of rhythm. What rhythm are you currently dishonoring? Think about your life. What, what rhythm are you currently dishonoring that is taking a toll on your life? Are you not eating well? Are you not sleeping well? Are you not taking time for yourself, taking time to, to rest and to relax a little bit? Are you not taking time to, to read or to study? What rhythm are you currently dishonoring that's taking a toll on your life? Well, one of the rhythms that I think that we quickly dishonor is the rhythm of Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest is a gift from God to us. But many times as you look through Scripture and, and many times as you look through our current reality, you see that Sabbath rest, even this idea, when I say Sabbath, when I say Sabbath, people go, oh no, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to sit down and, and not do anything for a whole day? Do I need to, to, to not even... There, there are some religions that say you can't even swallow your spit on the Sabbath. Is that what I'm talking about today? That's not actually what I'm talking about today. Today we're talking about the way that God has designed Sabbath rest, which in, in many cultures and in many times and even in Scripture, we see that the Sabbath rest was often viewed as a cumbersome demand which was seemingly impossible to satisfy. We, we see that in Jesus' time, the Pharisees even said, you can't walk more than a couple of miles on the Sabbath. And so there was this big deal around the rules and the regulations on Sabbath. And there's many examples of the people of God dishonoring this rhythm, which actually is supposed to be a gift from God. Now, to be fair, the, the Sabbath rest does show up in the Ten Commandments, so you can understand how the people of God would think this was just a rule or a regulation. Here's what the Sabbath rest looks like. It's, it's found in Exodus chapter 20, and it's commandment number four. Here's what God says. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. 
For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So if you're reading this, you might be inclined to go, yeah, look, the Sabbath commandment, that's a rule and regulation. Who would want to do that? I don't want to follow the rule and regulation and because that means I can have no fun. I just have to sit around and do nothing. Or you could look at that Sabbath invitation and see that God is saying, you work for six days. It's time to stop. Take a break. It's time to slow down. And that's what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is a gift, not a rule or a regulation. And I don't want you to get stuck on something here because in this passage in Exodus, it says that you need to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. I don't want you to get stuck on the word holy there. Let me just explain to you what the word holy means. If you're anything like me, when I used to think of the word holy, I thought about a, a bunch of, of single monks standing in a room chanting, oh, right? And there's incense around, no women at all. Like it's just this really boring, drab type of a place, right? And, and if, you, if you're like me, that's what I used to think of the word holy. But that's not what holy means. Holy is a whole different word. I used to think that it was weird and unattainable, untouchable, even unreachable for, unreachable for us normal people. But God has a different definition for the word holy. Holy simply means to be set apart for a special purpose. It can be something like grandma's fine china, which some of you might be bringing out later today for Thanksgiving. It's also like this, and you mom and dads might understand this. It's like the chocolate that you put aside for a special occasion you hide from your children. That's holy, right? That's holy. It's like when you sit down for supper with your friends and you say, hey, look, guys, let's put our phones away for a moment and let's just be together. That's holy. It's like that moment when someone remembers a special occasion and, and like your birthday or something like that, and they celebrate you. Or it's even when someone sits with you in the middle of your grief. These are holy things. Holy is something special to be longed for, which is completely attainable. It's touchable. It's reachable, even for us normal people. In the Hebrew, the word holy is the word kadesh, which just means to be set aside for a special purpose. Anything normal can become holy if it's set aside for a special purpose. Whether it's an item or a moment or a day, holy means to be set apart for a special purpose. And when God says to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, God is not trying to impose a, a cumbersome demand on the people. God is inviting the people to set this day aside as something special something special for a special purpose. Now, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees did Sabbath poorly. They did the Sabbath rest poorly. They treated the Sabbath rest as a, as a, as a rule and, and not a gift. And you see, Joe, Jesus shows up on, this, on the scene, and, and Jesus, on the Sabbath day, regularly, regularly will heal people. He will regularly meet with people, and he will do amazing, miraculous things on the Sabbath day. 
And the, and the religious leaders, the Pharisees, will go, what are you doing, Jesus? It's the Sabbath. You can't heal a man on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, seriously? What do you think this day was set aside for? It was set aside for these type of things. God is inviting his people to enter into a Sabbath rest, a special day set aside for special purposes. But even in Jesus' day and even today, there are people that treat the Sabbath holy. Not just like the Pharisees who had all the rules and regulations, but there are people that do the Sabbath day, the Sabbath rest really, really well. There are many Jewish people that, that honor the Sabbath day by by doing something a little different than what we've read about in Scripture. Now, the Sabbath day for the Jewish people, not for us, but for the Jewish people, it began on sundown on Friday night and went till sundown on Saturday night. And it was a day of rest, a day of being set aside for special purposes. Before the Sabbath, people would get all their chores done so that they didn't have to do any extra chores on on Saturday. They they would make sure they baked an unimaginable amount of food, as much food as they could. They They would invite all their friends and relatives to come around and feast with them. This was meant to be a time of refreshing and celebration and connection. A time to eat, to drink, to enjoy each other. Now, we are no longer regulated as the pharisaical leaders would like, but, but we still honor the Sabbath rest. We don't, ha- we don't kind of do this on a Saturday anymore. We don't even really kind of follow a bunch of rules and regulations on a Sunday. But we still honor the Sabbath rest. I remember when I first became a, a Christian, I was 16 years old, um, and there was this family who invited me over to their house all the time after church. Um, and they would invite me to Sunday supper, which I thought was a fantastic thing. They'd feed me, and food was always a way to get my attention. And they had a couple of boys that were my age, so we did lots of things together. Well, the first time I went to their house for Sunday supper, we got to their place, we had this fantastic Sunday supper, and we cleaned up a little bit. Uh, And after we were done with Sunday supper, I was looking for what we were going to do next. I was thinking, let's go play some basketball, let's go play some football. We, we were, I lived in Florida, so I thought, let's go to the beach or something like that. Um, but they did something strange. After we got done with the meal, they began, there was a, it was a large family, I think there was about seven or eight of them, um, they began to disappear one by one off into the rooms. And I'm going, what, what's going on? Where's everybody going? And I talked to the boys who were my age, and I said, where's everybody going? And they said, well, we're going for our Sunday naps. And I said, Sorry your what? And they said, our Sunday naps. On Sunday, after our Sunday afternoon meal, we have our Sunday naps, which was totally a foreign thing to me. I mean, I napped. Of course, I was a 16-year-old boy. There were times that I got tired and I would have naps, but not like as a tradition that we would, this is what we do. It was a strange thing to me to invite somebody over to your house and then say, find a couch somewhere, like go take a nap. It was just really weird, but that's what they did. And that's how they honored the Sabbath rest. They ate well, they had friends over, and they had great naps. That actually sounds like a fantastic idea. Doesn't that sound like a really great idea? Like, how? what if we just made this our normal thing? I don't know. Maybe this is your normal thing. I don't know. It sort of is our normal thing. We go home and eat. I mean, I'm usually the one. So Farrell never takes naps. But I'm usually the one that cronks out on the couch and has a nice little nap. I think we should make this like one of our religious practices, having religious holy naps. I think it's a good idea. Anyhow, 
The Sabbath is not all about eating, of course. It's not all about napping. But those are certainly things that play a part in this. There's this fantastic passage in 1 Kings 19. Okay, it's in the Old Testament, um, and it's this, this wonderful passage where the prophet Elijah uh, battles it out with 850 false prophets on Mount Carmel. Do you, do you know this story? Let me give you the Coles notes. Do we do Coles notes in Canada, right? Not Cliff's notes, Coles notes, okay? In the States, it's Cliff's notes. Anyhow, Coles notes. Here's the Coles notes. This is, this is what happens with Elijah, the prophet of God. He, he, he meets on this mountain Mount Carmel, with 850 false prophets. They were prophets of Baal and, and Asherah, and they were there to prove who is God. And so they built this altar, and they said, let's call down fire from heaven. Whoever's God is actually God will send fire from heaven, and will know that he is really God. So all day long, these 850 priests, they're calling to their gods, Baal and Asherah, and nothing happens. Uh, Elijah steps up to the plate. He calls on God, and whoosh, fire comes down from heaven. And it's amazing. Everybody goes, oh, the, the Lord our God, he is God. And then Elijah kills all 850 of the false prophets. Um, anyhow, so it's a great, fantastic story for you to read as a bedtime story to your children later on. It's in 1 Kings 19. Here's the deal. After the battle... Elijah, who has done this amazing thing, um, after the battle, the, the king's wife, Jezebel, puts a bounty on Elijah's head. She wants him dead because he's just killed her 850 priests, right? So she puts a bounty on his head. So Elijah runs into hiding. And here's where we get to the story in 1 Kings 19. Elijah goes into the desert to hide collapses under a tree, and Elijah says this to God. He says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. Now, we understand what's going on with Elijah here, right? He's had this amazing day, right? But then he's had a bounty put on his head. He's burnt out, and he's tired, and he's weary. And I don't know what he was doing all day, but it was a busy day. He's just burnt right out. He says to God, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. And then Elijah falls asleep. You need to know this, this part of the story. This is such a beautiful part of the story. God sends an angel to Elijah while he's sleeping to bake some bread and to get some water so that when Elijah wakes up, the angel says to him, Here, Elijah, have some bread and water. Elijah eats and he drinks and he goes back to sleep. I like to imagine that these are cinnamon buns. Isn't that great? Give, give Elijah some cinnamon buns. Elijah goes back to sleep after he eats and drinks. The angel bakes some more bread for him. A second time, the angel wakes him up and says, Hey, Elijah, eat and drink again. Isn't God so kind? He's just so kind. He doesn't show up yelling at Elijah or anything like that. He shows up and says, Elijah needs a couple of naps. He needs to eat something. He needs to drink something. It's basically God handing Elijah a Snickers bar, right? And saying, Elijah, you're not yourself when you're tired. I know you want me to take your life, but why don't you eat something? A part of Sabbath rest is eating good food and sleeping so that we can get rested. But it's not where Sabbath rest ends. After this, after this second nap, after Elijah has his second nap and, and eats again, the angel sends Elijah to Mount Horeb to talk to God. 
now that you've eaten, now that you've had something to drink, now that you've rested, it's time to talk to God. Now you may know this part of the story as well, but again, here's the Coles notes. Elijah goes to Mount Horeb. He goes into a small little cave. He has a, a nap again. He, it says he goes there to sleep for the night. And then when he gets up in the morning, God speaks to Elijah and just asks Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah kind of whines about his day. He complains, and God listens. This is a part of Sabbath rest. Did you know that? Last week, Pastor Amy led us through a lament of just laying before God all of our hurts and fears and difficulties. That's part of Sabbath rest, allowing God to hear. I mean, God knows, but to say, God, man, there's some tough stuff going on right now, and God loves to listen. Well, and then God listens to the story, and then he invites Elijah to come out of the cave where God is about to pass by. And, and here's where the story picks up. So Elijah comes to the front of the cave to see God pass by. And here's the story. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then God and Elijah have another conversation. Now what I love about this passage is that God showed up to Elijah in a gentle whisper. Just a gentle whisper. We sing a camp song as children. I, I didn't. I became a Christian at 16, so I never sang this until I was older. But it's a great song. Do you guys know this song? My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. The mountains are his, the valleys are his, the stars are his handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do for you. Isn't that a good song? It really is good. And it's true and it's wonderful. God is strong and mighty. But you, have you ever thought about the smallness of God? The gentle whisper. Often I think that, that we are expecting God to show up in this great, booming presence, and not so often in this little, quiet way. But, but I mean, look at Jesus. When Jesus came on the scene for the first time, do, do you remember this? He didn't show up as this great, conquering hero. He showed up as this little baby born of a young woman in a barn to poor parents. Isn't that weird? That the God who is huge and gigantic, so strong and mighty, would show up so small. And even when Jesus grew up, like he was meek and he was mild. I mean, he was a strong and mighty man, of course. I mean, when I, when I think of Jesus, like I usually think of, of like Arnold Schwarzenegger type of Jesus, right? It probably wasn't quite like that, but 
you know, the rock or something like that. Like a big, I, I think of Jesus as big and strong. But man, he was so gentle. And often we don't think of Jesus as small and gentle. So small and gentle, in fact, that if we aren't paying attention, we might actually miss Jesus. He just, he just probably looked normal. We might miss him. One of the main aspects of Sabbath rest is slowing down enough to hear the still, small, gentle voice of Jesus. If Jesus always showed up like a two-by-four to the head, then we probably wouldn't need a Sabbath rest to hear his voice. We'd just be walking down the street doing our own thing, and whack, Jesus would show up, and we'd be like, oh, there he is. But he so often doesn't show up that way. Sabbath rest is vital because as we set this time aside for special purposes, we eat, we nap, we celebrate, we connect with friends and family, but we also slow our lives down enough to be able to hear the still, small, gentle voice of Jesus. And in our world that is so rush, 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 it makes sense that Jesus would say that Sabbath was made for you guys. Not to honor God in some way. Like, God didn't make Sabbath because he really wanted Sabbath. He made Sabbath for you guys. Because he knew that we were going to be busy. He knew that one of the things that we do is we run all the time. And he's like, you guys need to slow down. Sabbath was made by God as a way for man to have a special day to slow down. There's this interesting characteristic of God that, that you'll find all through Scripture. And we, we, we think about God, I mean, we think about the passage that says that, that the heavens declare the glory of God. And we think about the, the grandeur of God often. But there's these passages in Scripture that seem to point to something different. L- listen to these and see if you can pick up the theme. Proverbs 25 just says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. Psalm 69 says, The humble have seen it and are glad. You who seek God, let your heart revive. One of the famous passages that we read in Jeremiah 29 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. In Luke 19, Jesus says, So I, this is Jesus speaking, say to you, and it will be given to you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And then there's this weird passage in Mark chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. Because Jesus often spoke in parables. And Jesus said to them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. That's a weird thing to say. Why wouldn't Jesus be super plain? Why wouldn't he be super obvious to everybody? Why wouldn't he just hand everybody the secrets of the kingdom kind of on a platter and just say, hey, here they are. I'm going to just tell you all the secrets so you don't have to be guessing anymore. Why would he do that? 
Well, I think these earlier verses we read kind of give us a bit of a key. God has hidden the secrets of the kingdom because there's something valuable when we search those things out. You know, when I'm playing with my kids, I mean, we do, we do like Easter egg hunts and we do hide and seek and stuff like that. When, when, I'm, when I'm hiding from my children, I pick a really good hiding spot, like really good. I mean, one time I even put pillows under my blankets in my bed so they thought that was me and then I hid in the closet and watched them try to find me. But I will oftentimes, as they're looking for me, if they're having a really difficult time with it, I'll kind of do a little whistle, like that, something like that. So they'll kind of know, oh, he's in this direction. But I never fully reveal myself because I want them to find me because there's something exciting. When they find me, they're like, ah, we found you, and they're so excited. There's something about that searching that God is inviting us into. Come and seek me out. Come and search for me. Let's, let's go on an adventure together. Come and look for me. It reminds me of the time when Jesus was teaching and a group of friends brought their paralytic friend to him. It's recorded in Mark chapter 2, just two chapters before this comment about Jesus and the secret parables. Do you remember this story? Jesus is teaching to a packed house There's no room for anybody. The the place is just completely packed. There's no way that anybody can get close to Jesus. Uh, Any sane person who was trying to see Jesus would wait for another opportunity, but not this group. There's this group of people, and they've got their friend who's a paralytic, and they're carrying him on a mat, and they want to see Jesus because they've heard that maybe Jesus could heal their friend. And so they go up on top of this house, they begin to pull away the tiles and the, and, the, and the hay and the straw, so much so that there's, as Jesus is speaking inside, there's stuff falling on him from the roof. This is audacious. But these friends are so desperate to get their paralytic friend in front of Jesus that they are going to willing to do anything to get to Jesus. They open a hole up big enough for their friend to get through and they lower him down so that their, their friend comes right in front of Jesus in the middle of this packed room. It's a crazy moment. It's a crazy moment. And here's what's recorded in Mark chapter 2 about this. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus goes on to not just forgive his sins, but to bring complete healing to his body. So the man gets up and walks. Do you you see the beginning of this verse, though? When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the whole group, there was something about this group's desperation Something about how they were willing to push through the crowd, to climb onto the roof, to rip open to the roof, to lower their friend in front of Jesus that showed Jesus that this was a group that was seeking. This is a group that was searching, and their seeking and searching was about to be rewarded. This group was desperate to see Jesus, desperate to see him. There's something about the invitation to Sabbath rest that I don't think we quite understand yet. Something about the desperation of searching and and seeking. The joy of being able to find Jesus. In our culture, we're, we're we're so set 
to, to desiring the big booming voice of God because we like quick, easy answers. We skim and we glance and we give quick, distracted looks to Jesus like we're, like we're searching through Facebook, expecting God to show up with 40, 40 point font and a, and a picture to grab our attention. And, but we just skim past. We skim past. We multitask and we give half-hearted attention while we, while we pray and we seek. And then we wonder, why didn't God show up today? Well, we didn't really show up today. So how did we expect God to show up? We're like so many who watched Jesus from the outside, the, the people that stayed out there. Not, not the ones that went and climbed and, and dug through a roof, but the people who were okay with just sitting over there, sitting on the outskirts and kind of listening, but not really listening, having our own side conversation, giving very little effort, being confused by the parables and just walking away. We seem to be like that. I seem to be like that often. The, the invitation to Sabbath rest is an invitation to stop, to stop our busyness, to stop our running, to instead slow down, to, to open up the roof, to lower ourselves down and sit at the feet of Jesus. I ask myself often, Am I giving Jesus my attention? Am I seeking him out? Or am I just kind of walking through a five-minute devotional and getting it done with and moving on with my day? This is not meant to be a heavy time. This is, this is meant to look at the invitation Jesus is giving us to enter his Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest is about setting aside a space where we can seek out Jesus, where we can fix our eyes on him, hear his still, small, gentle voice, and find our rest. When I was a kid, I had a bunch of ear infections, and uh, I had tubes in my ears. I don't know if they even do that nowadays, but back when I was a kid, they did. And uh, on my right ear, um, ended up, the eardrum ended up uh, bursting or something or other. They had to go in there and surgically fix that. So it's a crazy thing. I won't describe it all to you. But they went and fixed my ear. And so even to this day, I have a little bit of hearing damage in my right ear. And as I was growing up, you know, we didn't think about safety so much on the work site. And I worked in my lifetime a bunch of um, heavy machinery jobs and, and construction jobs and that kind of stuff. And I never wore earplugs. So I've got some hearing loss going on. And don't, you, you probably will notice it when you're talking to me that I've got a little bit of difficulty hearing. Um, and of course, I'm, you know, a dad. So sometimes I learn to tune stuff out really well. But if I'm not paying attention to someone as they speak, I'll not often understand what they're saying. But when I talk to people, I usually lean in. I rely on lip reading, so I'm really focused on people's faces to try to lip read a little bit. And sometimes I ask people to repeat themselves because I can't quite hear. This often shows up with my wife, which is such a sad thing, I know. It's especially bad when I'm distracted, perhaps by doing something on my phone. And Pharaoh will come and she'll talk to me. And if I don't put down the phone, if I don't fix my eyes on her face, if I don't lean in, I find that I miss the stuff that she's saying. And you can imagine how hard it would be to have a husband who's not really listening to you. I wonder how many times we expect Jesus to show up and speak to us while we're distracted by our phones, looking elsewhere, and kind of leaning back. 
Sabbath rest is an invitation to put everything else down, to fix our eyes on Jesus and to lean in so we can hear his voice. So the question, why Sabbath rest? Why is Sabbath rest so important? It's because it's an invitation for us to set aside a time for a special purpose. The purpose of slowing down. The purpose of eating well, of napping, of connecting with friends and family, but most importantly, fixing our eyes on Jesus, leaning in and hearing his voice. And Thanksgiving weekend is a fantastic weekend to practice this. It's a fantastic weekend to practice this, to build in some spaces of Sabbath rest. Now, this doesn't have to be a day. It doesn't even have to be a a half a day. It can be an hour or two or some space. I would encourage you actually to try to practice some Sabbath rest every day if you can. Just a space of time, a moment to set aside a special moment to slow down. So I'm encouraging you over the day today or tomorrow, would you consider setting aside some time to just slow down? You're going to eat well, you're going to sleep well, you're going to have naps, and you're going to eat turkey and want a nap and all the fun stuff, and you're going to connect with friends and family, and that's fantastic. Can you also put some time in to slow down, to lean in, to fix your eyes on Jesus, and to hear his voice? Because you're not yourself when you skip your Sabbath rest. Now, it, it, it occurs to me at this moment, if you don't yet know Jesus, then you may not understand the invitation that you're, you're being given. And so whether you're here in the room or you're watching us online, if you don't know Jesus yet, and I don't mean if you don't know about him, because a lot of people know about people, but if you've not actually met Jesus face to face, where you've said, Jesus, I am yours, you are mine, come into my life and help me to understand what it is to be a, a follower of yours. If you've not yet accepted the invitation from Jesus to be in his presence, now is a great time to do it. And it's not a big magical thing or it's not a prayer that you have to get quite right. It's a prayer of the heart that just says, Jesus, I I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to turn away from all the busyness and distraction of my life and I want to spend time with you. I want to see you, Jesus. And I want to enter your rest. So if you want to pray a prayer like that, let's just take a moment to just close our eyes. And in your own head, you can just say, Here I am, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to accept your invitation to come into your rest. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So if you've done that for the first time today, if you've entered into a friendship with Jesus, would you let us know about it? So whether you are home and you want to text us later and let us know, or if you're here today and you want to talk to us, we'd love to talk to you about it. I'm also getting this sense here um, that we need to make some space for some prayer. And so I think if I can ask Pastor Amy and Pastor Nate to be available, the three of us will be available up here. If, you're come, if you've come today and you've got something laying heavy on your heart, if you've got something that you want prayer for, whether it's something you've just been walking through lately, some news you've gotten recently that's been unfortunate news or something like that, we want to make ourselves available to you. So the three of us will be up here to pray with you. 
We want to encourage you. We want to strengthen you. We just want to stand with you as we bring these things before Jesus. And so when the service is completed, um, I'll invite you guys to, to come up to pray with one of us. We'd love to pray with you. But why don't you stand with me now? We're going to sing this closing song together, and then we'll, uh, I'll come back up and give a quick benediction, and then we'll be released. So Jesus, we are just so thankful for your promises. We're thankful that you promised to meet with us. It blows us away that you're excited to come together with us, uh, even as we set time aside to get together with you. And so Jesus, as your people, as your people set aside time, holy time, time set aside for a special purpose, as we set aside time to spend with you, Lord, we invite you to speak. We invite you to move. We invite you to do the miraculous and the amazing and, and to show up in a small, gentle voice. So I just bless you now, people of God, to hear the voice of Jesus, to know the love of your heavenly Father, to be filled afresh by the Holy Spirit of God, that as you spend time with him, that you will hear him, know him, and connect with him. So we love you, God, and we thank you. We give you honor and glory and praise and pray these things in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Again, if there's anyone here who's wanting prayer, uh, we'll be up here at the front for prayer. So you're dismissed. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.